welcome to Preferred Enemies, the Warhammer 40k podcast that's ready to deck the halls with Bowser of Holly. I'm your host, Rob. Dennis. And Richard. Uh, no Kevin. Uh, he is not sick. He is better. I've actually seen him in person this past week. Uh, but unfortunately, he had family stop by right at the time we were about to record without any warning. So we are hoping he'll be able to jump on later. Uh, we are going to carry on without him. Uh, and this is part two of our year in review we looked at kind of how things wrapped up last episode with how you know how things were going in december we're going to cover january through november now which is kind of an ass backwards way to do it but december has really been kind of slow for the most part except for one major uh announcement that was made uh like two days ago as oh, yeah, recording. some guy, you know, some dude, it, yeah. some some important guy, apparently. Yeah, some <laughs> some well, some no name that's never played anybody major or been in any major movies or series ever and is, is not a major G? fan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So there had been rumors that uh, Henry Cavill, who is a known Warhammer fan and has been kind of a Warhammer evangelist when he was doing interviews for The Witcher. Has what was rumored to be trying to get a Warhammer 40k series done by Amazon, and that was then confirmed the next day that Amazon had indeed secured the rights from Games Workshop to produce a Warhammer 40,000 series with Henry Cavill as I believe executive producer and tagged a star. Uh, they don't have a showrunner yet. They don't have a writers or cast or anything. It's still very, very early on, but uh, Amazon has indeed secured the rights, uh, which has then led to a whole bunch of entertainment outlets trying to explain to the normies what Warhammer 40,000 is. <laughs> <laughs> which, honestly, The Hollywood Reporter had a decent rundown. And so I, I gotta give credit to some of those outlets for really trying their best to explain the setting in in short article format. Uh, imagine there will be more of that going on as we get more details and as things actually get nailed down. But it's funny that this happens right after Henry Cavill obviously played Geralt, the title character in The Witcher on Netflix. Uh, he's leaving after season three. It's been rumored that that's because of uh, his disagreements with the writing room on how the characters would be handled because he is very much a purist to the books in the video game So, because he's a gigantic nerd. And I mean that both physically and emotionally. <laughs> I mean, over the over pandemic, what did he do? He live streamed himself building a new gaming rig. He he almost missed out on uh, auditioning for Superman because he was busy wa uh, raiding in WoW. I mean, this is the kind of person he is. Uh, speaking of Superman, he had also come back briefly uh, to portray Superman again in a post-credit scene for Black Adam. And then not long after that, uh, James Gunn took over uh, DC... All, like all DC filmed properties for Warner Brothers and announced they're going in a different direction. Henry Cavill will not be returning as Superman. So Henry's got a lot of free time now, <laughs> uh, which may mean he paints a second army, builds another gaming rig, and now is trying to get a 40K TV series done. So um, it'll be interesting to see what happens with that. I've seen some people like say like, 
But what does this mean for Warhammer Plus if it's going to be on Amazon Prime? That was one of and, my questions. Yeah, and we don't know. Um, my guess is, like, Games Workshop is a successful miniatures game company. They don't have the money to do a 40K live action series. They just nope. don't. They don't. Uh, so this is not something they would have been able to produce on their own. We don't know what the negotiations were like for the rights. Apparently, Amazon was but one of a number of interested parties. So there was some competition for it. And again, we don't know what the terms are. I could see Warhammer Plus being added as like an extra option on Amazon Prime for subscribers. I could see Amazon Prime maybe getting the first release and maybe it shows up on Warhammer Plus like a week or two later or a month later. I could see Warhammer Plus getting like the first episode free. They've done that before like with various shows like like uh Andor just finished on Disney Plus and then like the last like the day of the finale they're like okay now all our all the Hulu uh, viewers who also and I think on ABC as well like we're going to play the first episode or first two episodes of Andor for people so they can see it so it, there's ways that they can cross cross promote content and get stuff shared out I don't think it means um, Warhammer Plus is going away if anything it might Amazon might inject money into them for doing more Warhammer Plus stuff. We don't know. We, it's it's literally an unknown. Yeah, so. I I could see I could see Warhammer Plus ending up being almost like because like there's a number of Amazon like channels mm -hmm. that really are their own things. Like like Shutter is like right. a, a horror streaming app that you can subscribe to like just directly through Shutter. Or you can subscribe to it through Amazon. So, okay. like, I could see it being, like, one of those kind of things. See, and that would be a perfect opportunity because it's like, hey, you like this Warhammer 40,000 series with Henry Cavill. Hey, you might be interested into subscribing to Warhammer Plus and finding out more about the setting and the lore and what all this is based on. So Yeah, because yeah. that's going to be one of my interesting things about what – or where they put the show. Is it going to be heresy? Is it going to be space marine? Is it going to be inquisitor? Is it going to be custodes? There are just kind of like any other cinematic universe. Like he mentioned, there are so many stories you can tell and all of them can be different with all the different types of characters out there. Oh yeah. I mean, it's, it's as big as, as the Star Wars universe easily. And like, even with the black library stuff, they've started kind of spanning out. Like they've got a line of 40 K based detective novels. Now they've got Warhammer <laughs> horror. No, they like, they've got Warhammer no, horror, which is like a, like focusing on that style of storytelling in the same universe. So yeah, there's a lot of different stories you can tell. Stories about space Marines are very different than stories about guardsmen, which are very different than stories about inquisitors, which is I mean, very my, different than stories about Eldar, you know? It's, right. That's going to be my only thing is I, I don't think we'll have any Xenos in there other than maybe a cameo or an antagonist. Yeah, probably not, but it'll be interesting to see what happens with this and where it goes from here. I, right. I'm, it's a big opportunity, and again, nothing set in stone. It's it's not like we have, like, oh, this is the name of the series, and this is what it's going to be about. No, it's, we know Henry Cavill's going to be the lead. So it could be a Horace Heresy series. It could be 
set in any number of different war zones. It could be something completely new that isn't reflected in any existing uh, storyline stuff yet. I it's there's lots of room to go on this, so I'm I'm excited to see where it goes. Me too. Yep. Um, uh, the other bit of news is last episode we we gave our rankings on the various uh, holiday Battle Force boxes. And a small update on that. Um, three of them are, or four of them, I believe, are sold. Well, three of them are sold out, and one of them has disappeared. So if you wanted to get the Custodes box, which was our number two, or the uh, Chaos, either the Thousand Suns or Death Guard boxes, which were tied for third, thereabouts in our listings, um, those are all no longer available. The, they have sold out online. They are... Which fits about where we said they would be, that they would be popular choices that because they're good boxes. The other one that has sold out is the Chainbreaker Lance, which was the Imperial Knight and four Armagers, which we said was a fantastic deal. Buy two of them and you have an army. So not only is that one sold out, it has disappeared from their website. All the others that have sold out still say, you know, sold out online. Um, this one has disappeared and... Reports state, I do not know the the provenance of these, so take this with a grain of salt. But from what I understand, apparently not only did they sell out, they may have oversold, like they may have mis, uh, misestimated, like incorrectly estimated how many boxes of these they would be able to build with the knights they had available in stock. And how many boxes they had. And so apparently, not only did it sell out very quickly, they started, like, after a point, they pulled it off the site and started issuing refunds to people. So there's a lot of people that tried to buy this and didn't get it. They got their money back, but that it's they took it off because, like, we can't actually list this as a product anymore. So I mean, It's yeah, nice GW gave the refunds on all that. Mm -hmm. It's sad people didn't get it. I think for me, like I, I mentioned when we pre-talked about this, is I'm sad that this probably means there's going to be a lot more nights hitting next spring. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There'll be more night players on the table, but um, but yeah, if you wanted to get one, sorry, the window has closed and is shut forever. Um, however, if you are interested in Sisters or Mechanicus or either of the two Space Marine boxes, those are still available on their website. Um, so the Sisters one wasn't bad. The Mechanicus one is eh, and we weren't impressed by either of the Space Marine boxes. But if those are your jam, they are still available. Uh, normally, this is where we would move on to listener mail, but currently the hopper is empty. Uh, so if you would like to uh, get a letter to us to read on the air starting in the next year. So if you want to start out uh, January 2023 by having your letter read on the air, there are three good ways to get that to us. First off, you can email us. Email our email is our first names at preferredenemies.com. So Rob at Kevin at Dennis at Richard at preferredenemies.com or our first names one word at preferredenemies.com. Second is Facebook. We're at facebook.com slash preferred enemies. Uh, and you can like us there, follow us and get updates on like when episodes are dropping and things we're working on, etc. Third, we are on Mastodon at warhammer.social slash at preferred enemies. And we'll have links to those. I need to add the Mastodon link to our um, 
to our website. Actually, I think I have a link in the sidebar, but I want to add it to like somewhere else in the navigation. Um, we do technically have a Twitter account, but who knows for how long because uh, <laughs> things are crazy there. But uh, if you like, if you want to send us letters from any of those three sources or contact us there, we take all those, collate them together, put in the hopper, and get through as many as we can in an episode. So we would like to start off January 2023 with as full a mailbox as possible. So uh, please get those to us uh, whenever you want. Um, so that's talking about January 2023. Let's get right into it, starting with January 2022, as we look back at the year that was 2022 in uh, in Games Workshop, and specifically in Warhammer 40K. Um and let's let's be honest 2022 like as we came out of 2021 the game wasn't in the best place balance wide because adeptus mechanicus and drukari were coming off really really strong and there were multiple attempts to try to get those back in line and we're going to see how successful that was and and if they kind of opened a Pandora's box as uh, the year moves forward. So starting in January, at the very beginning of January, we got two new codexes on the same week. Now, any dates I'm referring to here are the dates these things were actually released. They may have been um, announced a week or two before, but this is based on like when they actually went up for pre-order. So January, beginning of January, we got... Um, Adeptus Custodes and Gene Stealer Colts. And uh, that's two armies that could not be at different spots uh, power level wise or complexity wise, I think. Or playstyle wise. I mean, they're very different armies. Right. I When you put this on here, I was like, Custodes and Gene Stealers? I thought they were like last year, but I mean, it's been the, 11 the, months. So, Like the Shadow Throne box that was at the end, like mid-December, but the codexes themselves came out, like, the first week of January. Right. And I know I've tried out Custodes, and I believe Richard's tried out Gene Steeler Colts, and, yeah, Custodes are solid out of the box, and they, they they played great, and so much so that they got nerfed somewhat. Mm-hmm. And I know, Richard, you, you said Gene Steeler Colts was a different experience. Well, yeah, it's... It's a learning curve. It, they are a very complex army, and it's important to like position your units and and lots of synergies to pay attention to. So, yeah, it's it is a tricky army with a lot of finesse, and like Custodes has a little bit of complexity with like the Kata system, but you can completely ignore that and still beat face with Custodes. Uh, it is an extremely strong army or it definitely was out of the gate. Um, yeah, especially when everything had objective secured, that's what really helped them out. So when they lost that, they lost some of the shine. Right. Uh, so, uh, and shortly thereafter, right around the same time, we got our first seasonal chapter approved uh, in at the end of 2021, Games Workshop announced that Warhammer 40k match play was going to go into a uh, semi-annual uh, seasonal model. And our first season was Warzone Nachmund, and this was uh, their first attempt really to give us a new, I mean, we'd been, I think we'd, they were kind of 
doing yearly or they had done yeah. started yearly before this was that we were getting up to six months we got a new set of secondary objectives uh some revised missions and like knockman wasn't wildly different than what had come before there was some like revisions on scoring secondary missions but i would say knockman was just tweaking the you know tweaks on what we had been already doing in right. match play yeah, because I'm trying to think back. I'm like, well, it was different in Knockman. It just seemed like the normal one. But I think, like you said, they, they codified it and kind of presented it. And, it, yeah, it wasn't a big t- a change. It was just something. And it, it kind of became, well, it was the standard for, for those first six months. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed those games. <laughs> those, yeah, no, Knockman, Knockman was fine. What was an issue was some of the armies that became powerful while Knockman was being right. played. I don't think it's because of Knockman specifically. Um, speaking of new armies, uh, we get our next codex. So January is a three codex month with Tau Empire. Tau came out of the gate also very strong. Um, a lot of people were terrified of the uh, the uh, Hammerhead having a railgun that ignored invulnerable saves and ba- basically ignored pretty much any save at the time and did ridiculous amounts of damage and Tau had a lot of really good weapon synergy, which I mean, makes sense. Uh, but uh, also a very strong army out of the gate, uh, which was a major reversal from where they had been, where they were one of the worst armies because they were playing with eighth edition rules. Um, how pushed they should have been. I think that is definitely up for debate. And uh, we do see some changes to them as we uh, move forward. Also, follow, shortly thereafter, um, near the end of January, we had LVO 2022. Um, and uh, this was a year where a lot of uh, events that had skipped 2020 and uh, some that had skipped 2021 uh, came back. Although I want to say uh, LVO did have a 2021 but, yeah, uh, I think with, so. Yeah, but uh, like Adepticon did not, uh, Nova Open did not, so some of these events came back for the first time. Uh, LVO, uh, Richard Siegler, uh, who had won, basically swept the U.S. Open series the year before, uh, won LVO with Adeptus Mechanicus, and... Uh, with, uh, you know, leaning on, I want to say he may have been use, using, like, the Skatari heavy list, but uh, he beat Custodes in a uh, close game. Custodes was um, very, very powerful right out of the gate. And, yes, a lot of it was because every everything was obsec in that army. And uh, I don't know if you know this, but holding objectives wins games. And having extremely tough, like, low... S- like, well, low as in, like, very good save, like, strong save, high toughness, elite armies that were everything in hold objective. Yeah, that's actually turns out to be pretty good. But Richard Siegler was better with Adeptus Mechanicus. Also at LVO 2022, we saw our first reveals of the new Eldari models that were going to be coming soon. We got to see the new Avatar, the new take on Mog and Raw. And uh, the Shining Spears reveal. I mean, part of me would love to for this be like a yearly thing. Maybe not an Eldar Codex each year. Although that would be kind of cool. We got to rebalance we... it. Fix it. 
<laughs> no, but more of a because um, we still have so many Phoenix Lords that haven't got the glow up treatment. Because I mean, Baharath would be a good one. I mean, Fuegan. I mean, because we've just got Jane Sar, Mugen Ra, and the Avatar now. Right. Asherman. So I mean, it'd be cool if like to keep Eldar updated in a way especially with the models instead of like a whole new eldar release sometime like each year have a phoenix lord in their um, aspect warrior kind of get the updated treatment so that they are kind of brought in line and look really awesome yeah that's uh, one of my hopes then, for the next year which no i think that would be cool uh i mean hell do it twice a year they've got enough to catch up on <laughs> I mean, the, all, even the, the Dire Avengers, it's a plastic kit, but it needs a revamp as well. Um, so it's Asherman. an old plastic kit. <laughs> well, yeah. It was, well, I mean, yeah, you could do Asherman and the Dire Avengers because we got new Guardians, which we'll be talking that about. That is true. In a bit. But, but uh, so that takes us to February. And February started out with our first balanced data slate of the year. Uh, this was, you know, balanced data slates were kind of a quarterly take on how to fix um, – how to keep the game uh, kind of adjusted so that uh, and actually one of the changes I have on here I have orcs with buggies I think th- I think some of these may have carried over from the 2021 data slate but some of the changes we saw were um, the nerf the nerf to aircraft uh, adep- specifically targeting adeptus mechanicus saying you could only take like two aircraft in your entire army as opposed to like two per detachment because that adeptus mechanicus aircraft were stupidly strong but again that may have been an earlier change um drukari had a number had core taken off of a couple of models orcs still had their uh which again that's why i think this carried over from the previous year uh the limit on how many buggies they could take uh, guard had buffs to their vehicle armor, like all their tanks being having two up armor. Necrons had had core added to a number of models, and knights were given the ability to hold objectives. Yeah, the biggest ones I remember from this are Necrons having core because nobody played Necrons. No, Necrons so this, really suffered, and they still weren't. People didn't jump just with this change, but they noted, "Oh, this this is better." But yeah, that knights getting objective secured, that was huge. Right. So, okay, so the 2021 balanced data slate, I just want to confirm here. The flyers were capped. The That one was capped. Um, and then, like, Drukari and Mechanicus got a lot of Necron. So a lot of the, qu- the quarter one uh, balances were... Okay, so this was a lot of carryover from that one. So I don't... I'm trying to see what had actually changed, because it looks like... I think there were some changes to Drukari that still came over, and a few minor changes to Mechanicus, because the Flyer one was already in place back the previous November. So this was just kind of getting them back on a quarterly schedule. Uh, then uh, later in February, we got the Eldritch Omens box, which was Chaos Space Marines versus Eldari. Uh, this also introduced us to a new Autark model, new plastic rangers, shroud runners, which were basically ranger bike jet bikes, and then on the Chaos Space Marine side, the new Warpsmith model and the new Chosen kit. Uh, I have 
Only put together the Warpsmith out of all of those. The Warpsmith is a fantastic little model. See, I put together all the Eldar stuff. And I like, in concept, the Shroud Runners. Just getting them use on the table seems like a very um, niche thing. Where they're good for their one thing, or they're good for jumping forward. I just wish any of the jet bikes or something, or even the Rangers jet bikes could hold objectives. I mean, I think that's something if they did, they would be more of a staple, but as it is, they're more of a front head scouter and spotter helping out. So I don't know. I like them. The models are super cool. I think all those models you'd listed were super cool, but on the field, I'm not, I'm not sold yet. Even 10 months later. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and if it wasn't clear, Eldritch Omens was the preview to the fact that we were getting a new Eldari Codex, which we did in a, like a couple of weeks later. Um, the Eldari Codex has been um, problematic in spots, uh, and we will see that coming up ahead. But it was a chance to get the Eldari, the Harlequins, and the Inari all wrapped into one book, which we had not seen we hadn't seen Harlequins back in their book for a while, because I don't think since 6th edition. Right. I think- I, and I actually liked this change. I, I didn't know if I would or not, but one th- I, I liked having Harlequins back, because then I don't have to have two books if I want to run Eldari with Harlequins. Um, and I was always complaining about Yanari kind of being off in its own nowhere world. And so bringing them in and treating them like a, a craft world actually seemed very fitting. And I kind of liked how they did that. So, and it went along the lines with the, how they were treating the space Marines. So it's like, okay, cool. Yeah, you know, it was, it was, it was a good, like, I think overall the Eldari book is f- addresses a lot of things and, and really does modernize the army. And I, I, I like it overall. It's just that, as we will see, they didn't quite balance some of the aspects of it properly. Um, but uh, if you were an existing Craft Worlds player uh, or Harlequins player, it wasn't a bad place to be, and it was a nice new book. And and having to only buy one book to have everything in one place also very very nice. Yes. Um, and along with the Eldari Codex, we did finally get the new Mog and Raw model that had been previewed, new Dark Reapers. Uh, which makes sense. It's like if you're going to get a new uh, Phoenix Lord, you should get his Aspect Warriors along with him. Um, a new set of uh, Foot Warlocks and the Guardians. The old, old Guardian kit was finally redone and included all the parts for making Storm Guardians as well, which was a nice addition rather than having to buy a uh, f- like a fine cast or metal add-on kit to go with it. Right. So, yeah, and- no, that is great. One of the things I really liked about this entire Eldar line is they didn't radically change how the models looked. So they still looked like and felt like like Eldar. My my one negative is they upped the base size. So if you had old stuff, um, mm. you're rebasing. <laughs> yeah, going from 25 to 28.5 is a little bit. Uh, Fortunately, yes. some of us are going to be starting fresh and will only have 28.5 stuff, which, yes, 2023, one of my goals this year is to finish, uh, is to build and paint uh, my Craft World Eldari army. So nice. that is, that is I'm looking on forward the, to that. That is on the plans. Uh, I might, because, like, right now I've got 
I'm finishing up my Daughters of Cain for Age of Sigmar. Like, I have to finish basing, like, six models, and then I'm done. Um, and then uh, I'm trying to decide if I'm going to go ahead and start painting on the Blood Angels that I primed earlier. Or actually, what I should do is finish rebasing and painting up the la- the uh, Sisters of Battle stuff I had. That's, yes. that's older on the queue. And then there's the Blood Angels, and then I think... There's the uh, Eldari in there, so like by the end of the year, I want to have an, a playable Eldari army. So that that is one of my goals. Twenty twenty three, I'm going to do it. I should have enough models to do it. I might have to add in like one or two kits, depending on how I w- what I want to do with it. But I can, I should at least be able to have with what I've got. I can feel at least a two thousand point army. So that Very that'll nice. be good. That'll be good enough. So. Yep, I put my money... Well, I put GW's money where my mouth is, because they're the ones that sent me most of the kits. But I did buy, like, the Combat Patrol and a couple other things to to pad it Flush out. It out. But, yeah. Yeah. So that's going to happen. Um, moving on to March, we had Adepticon 2022, and... Oof. <laughs> Adepticon 2022 started the season of the clown because it was Harlequins versus Harlequins in the final. And Wasn't I it remember like 19 out of 20 of the top 20 were Harlequins or something stupid. Uh, it was ridiculous. <laughs> it wasn't quite that bad, but it was bad. And that pattern replayed itself over and over again at numerous events for the next two or three weeks. Like Harlequins dominated absolutely dominated in a way that we did not foresee when we looked at that codex well and this is the first time something's happened like that i think ever because normally if you had something dominate the codexes would people would come up with solutions and and find a way around it but this one just seems so bad it was more of a if you can't beat them join them type thing and so mm-hmm. we saw harlequin numbers surge and it looked like nobody could dethrone them Yep, it was so, what light Sa- light Sadath, uh void weaver spam was yeah. B- yeah the 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 list to beat or join and uh, they they did come in with some fixes on points a little bit later which made it less viable but Harlequins since then have never stopped being a strong army the if you weaken one of the tools they just go over to a different Sadath, which ends up being Maybe not as good, but still very strong. And also, there's some very good players playing Harlequins, too, which will lead to a bit of a, a bias in the results. Um, also at Adepticon 2022, we got uh, our previews of the fact that Chaos Knights and Imperial Knights were both getting new new codexes, and Chaos Knights were going to be getting new models as well. And we got our first look at the uh, return of Horus Heresy in plastic, which, while not technically Warhammer 40k, I think because a lot of the stuff in Horus Heresy can be used in 40k, and because making that stuff available in plastic is kind of huge, that has definitely had repercussions in 40k and it was also a place for people who may have been not enjoying ninth edition as much possibly because some of these balance issues we saw um had another rule set that was going to be coming that was going to be based off of the seventh edition rule set and uh so this kind of raised the hype for that and having it available in plastic 
Um, and then speaking of plastic, later on in March, we also got the rest of the Eldari release, which include the new Avatar of Kane model, which the results have not been tabulated yet that I know of. But man, that is definitely in the running for the best model of the year, just in the the options and detail on that thing. It is just fantastic. And then we also got the Shining Spears, which had been previewed earlier, and the models from Elder Tomans available as separate purchases. Which also, if I remember right, they had to release your Codex Eldari is not accurate because they had to release a new data sheet for the Autark uh, because the weapon options were not as compatible as they had originally promised. Right. As far well, as, like o- options for building out your character. On Warhammer's community, they stated that you can build any type of weapon loadout you want, but then if you looked at the rules, they had each Autark had their own rule set, kind of, even though they were two different kits. So each kit was its own rule set on the same data sheet, because once you took an option from one, you couldn't take the options from the other. And so then they uh, made a... FAQ, not FAQ, they, they made a new data sheet, put it online and said, okay, here's the actual Autark that can use everything. Have fun making him however you want. And this goes back to one of my small issues I have with the game of Eldar have way too many good HQs that I want to use because mm. it's like they're known for their psychic. You want the Farseer. But man, the new Autark model looks cool. The new Autark powers are cool. I mean, when I played against you guys, how many times was I like, yeah, I get to use my, my reroll command strategy a second time. Look at me. <laughs> and th- having an extra reroll is, is pretty big. And so, and then we've got Mogan Ra, the avatar, who's an HQ, not a Lord of War. So, and I like Jane's Ar- too many HQs. So, mm-hmm. and there's reasons to take all of them. All the Phoenix Lords make their aspect warriors oh, better uh, and make them obsec. Yeah. yeah, uh the Farseer helps with your strands of fate dice. Oh, I mean true. Yeah. Yeah, it's like there's reasons to take all of it and it's it's an army that is absolutely overloaded with choice for HQs. So I mean, at the end of March, Eldar were I don't say top of the but in my mind, top of the world cuz we got all new models, we got all new rules. This is wonderful. I'm going to play them all year. I didn't. Um <laughs> And just super strong, super yeah. strong coming out of the gate. And yeah, fantastic new reveals, looking great. I mean, good time to be an Eldari player. And then April 1st hit. And April 1st was the downfall of Dennis. <laughs> <laughs> so first off, tip of the hat to Games Digi-dub. Workshop yeah. yeah, for the April 1st squats reveal. For, for saying, oh, yeah, look, squats for are coming for, on April Fool's Day. And, of course, everyone's like, oh, okay, that was a good joke. Like, you build it up with this, like, Space Hulk-looking reveal, and everybody's trying to figure out what it is. It's like, oh, it's a squats joke. Okay, that's great. We really like that. And then April I mean, 2nd, they're like, we're I not mean, joking. Rob, they, they put so much production value into that. It oh, just I know. felt like a wonderful way to say about something that's never coming out. <laughs> and then April 2nd, they just stuck the knife in and twisted it on you and said, oh, no, this is happening. We're yeah. really releasing the, the squats as a new faction. That that was well played by them. And I mean, I held true to my word. Um, yes, you I, did. I have 
followed them all summer, and then when they finally came out, which we'll get to later, I did build my my Voton army, and I have actually even played part of it in a tournament setting. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and I, I I don't have this on our timeline because there's I'm not going to try to keep track of every Warhammer Community article. Uh, but they did do a good job of drip feeding out over the next several months the looks of the new models, the f- the fluff behind the the squats now for, now dubbed the leagues of Voton, and and you know eventually as they got closer to the mo- army release starting to show a few of the rules, but they made sure that you you understood the look and you understood the lore of this army before it launched since. It was a long absence for for them, and it's a completely re-envisioned version. This is not just like, oh, it's the old squats, but new again. It's like, no, they they basically rebuilt this army from the ground up. And, and I'm glad they did. Mm-hmm. So, no, they did a fantastic job, and yeah, that was... I mean, they've had funny little cheeky April Fool's jokes in the best, like the Citadel Guide to Rolling Dice or stuff like that, the... Uh, the stealth suit that was just an empty base type thing. You know, it's just like they've they've had fun fun jokes, but this was one where it's like not only did you just catch everybody with a good laugh, and then you made it real. Well played, Games Workshop. Um, we also got a new uh, terrain release with the Fronteras terrain, which is it's okay. It's not. I, I think for like. It's more of a kill team style terrain rather than a uh, 40k because it doesn't block line of sight enough in many cases for uh, 40k purposes. But it, it's not a bad kit. I have the Fronteras terrain because it came in the uh, Morok uh, kill team box, which I, I will mention on here later. Um, then quarter two 2022. Um, we got uh, the next balance data slate, and uh, this was Games Workshop's attempt to shore up uh, some failing armies and uh, bring down some uh, stronger ones. Uh, we saw a lot of little nerfs to add mech still on, you know, on top of the previous ones. Uh, some bigger ones. Custodes lost obsec on everything but troops. Uh, to bring them more in line with everyone else, which I think did really kind of take them down from being the the dominating force that they had been. Although, at what They're cost? Still strong. They were still strong. They're still strong, but it 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 let them. It brought them more in line with everyone else. Um, Harlequins had a few adjustments to uh, both to points and to like how light. Uh, some I think it was how light Sadath worked a bit. Um, Tau had a couple of revisions, including, uh, making broadsides no longer core. Uh, but the bigger changes that we saw with this is first, uh, like a change to indirect fire, because that was one thing Tau was dominating with as well as Eldari with like the D cannon that could, like the support weapon D cannon that could ignore line of sight. Uh, and so, uh, line of sight, in, uh, where weapons that ignore line of sight, now, like, you subtract one from the ballistic skill and add one to the saves of any units hit. Unless it's Imperial Guard, they still get all the benefits of just at normal, because that's kind of their thing. Artillery is kind of their thing, so they get they get a pass from that. The See, other big... I, I, was, go ahead. I was kind of fine with this one, because back in my day, um, Scatter 
So you yep. were less accurate if you couldn't see where they were. So mm-hmm. minus one to hits, just your 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 thing for scatter penalty, I guess. Yeah, and it did it did bring uh, the builds that were leaning heavily into like the uh, airburst fragmentation projectors and the D cannons uh, to a, and smart missiles like for Tau uh, brought them down into a more reasonable level. And actually, people have pretty much stopped taking smart missiles on Tau stuff because there's Tau uh ballistic skill is already not the best and which is weird because they are a shooting army but uh i mean when your marker lights only make you as good as you were before it makes it <laughs> not it, it makes it an unattractive choice and so i mean i still think there needs to be either spotter models or things that if this models can see you then treat the barrage type weapons as able to see you mm mm-hmm. mhm uh, and then we also saw the other big change, and one that has continued to have uh, repercussions. Armor of Contempt uh, added to basically all the power armor armies, including Sisters of Battle. Um, I am of... M- which, if you're not aware, Armor of Contempt basically adds one to your armor saves if you are a uh, in power armor, and that includes to your vehicles. Um... I'm of very mixed feelings on this one because as somebody who plays sisters and chaos space Marines, I like armor of contempt because it makes my stuff more resilient. I do not like playing against armor of contempt. I think it makes fighting against armies that use it. Yes. Including my own chaos space Marines, a bit of a slog. (laughs) No, I think I'm mostly there with you. I think, Armor of Contempt was the best thing to happen to sisters because okay, yeah. it made them from you're fragile because you're low toughness. So you're just going to take all these hits and you don't really have great saves anymore to, Oh, most weapons, you at least get a save or sometimes a decent save on where I think for me, if it falls down is I don't think this should be applied to the vehicles. Anything with a vehicle or a monster trait should not get armor of contempt. I don't disagree with that, although it is uh, interesting to see how that gets applied later when we get to Leagues of Votan, because it's basically <laughs> they get void armor is the same thing. Um, so, uh, which ends up meaning something like fully half the armies in the game have some variety of armor of contempt. Uh, later, we'll see Imperial Guard get it added to their vehicles, although uh, that may or may not continue now that they have a new codex, but. Yeah, Armor of Contempt has been a a big uh, change, although it still has not brought Space Marines up to where they should be. Um, it is... They are still suffering from being one of the early codexes of 9th edition. Let's see, then moving forward, uh, April brought us a new codex, and that was Tyranids, um, which also ridiculously strong out of the gate. Um, yep. Synapse... Imper- like Synapse abilities were really, really strong. Um, the Malanthrope is possibly one of the most broken things that's ever been <laughs> dropped. Um, and they managed to... Uh, yeah, just the amount of damage, especially in the form of mortal wounds, that a 
halfway decent Tyranid army could put out. Most armies could not survive. The monsters became even nastier, to the point that I believe it was near the end of this month or the beginning of May um, that Games Workshop had to release a document stating what was and wasn't a valid uh supplemental material because there was concern that the crusher stampede was still going to be a legal choice for codex tyranids because uh, crusher stampede had been keeping tyranids very compatible for like the past six months like five or six months at this point and yeah nids were nids were scary strong yeah and and if you had been able to combine the stuff in the new codex into Crusher Stampede, yeah, it would have been even more ridiculous. Oh, it would, yeah, I think that was one of our, when we were doing our top 10 list or 10 things you need to know about Tyranids, Crusher Stampede was on the list of things <laughs> to be aware of because, yeah, it's just like, oh no, this is, this is going to destroy everything because it was already strong and this just made it strong because, like, all the monsters got stronger, so. Uh, fortunately, they nipped that in the bud relatively quickly, but Tyranids were still really, really strong. Um, well, and then here's a thing that they let us know later about how they do their playtest schedules, and it, it makes me wonder if they had tested these against certain things that would come out later that would keep them in check, or if... I don't know, the changes to the game had not been that they'd put in after they'd playtested them hadn't because the rest of the game had been toned down. So maybe Tyranids and Harlequins and stuff when they were released were to be able to combat Admech and Custodes at their when how they were when they were released. Mm -hmm. So it, it's are we going too fast to where things are always going to be tested against things that the way they are meant to be, but then aren't when the other codexes come out. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, yeah, it's, it, it's been a kind of a, a running battle for them to, uh, try to keep balance. And, and, and again, this is a point we, we keep seeing and it's, it's not great. Um, uh, so, so, uh, yeah, and other than other than the codex, we saw a paired side of Mortrex model, which is fine, I guess. Yeah, yay. <laughs> yeah, it's there. It's yep, it's, it's a thing. It's it's good looking <laughs> enough. I like. I some people don't like it the way it looks, but like it's fine. Mm -hmm. it, the the role the the rolls for the data slate's not very good, but yeah. It's nice to actually have a model for it, finally. Which <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Moving on to May. May, we had a Warhammer Day with uh, online, like Warhammer Day Online with reveals. We got to see the first uh, hint of the new Chaos Space Marine uh, Codex and Chaos Space Marine cultists and such that would be coming. We got to see more of the Leagues of Votan models being revealed and in May, we learned that Chaos Space Marines were getting their own codex, and World Eaters would be getting their own codex sometimes after, sometime afterwards. Uh, it was not going to be at the same time, but they were going to get a, a book to be released later. In the next 10 years? 
Uh, oh, definitely in the next 10 years. It's coming up very, very... It's like, it'll be out next month, most likely. But did not uh, make this year. <laughs> did not make this year. This not did not. Uh, May, early May, we also saw the first of the 2022 uh, U.S. Opens. Uh, in 2021, we had had three U.S. Opens and then a finale in uh, Dallas. Or, in, or, or what did they move... Do they move that one to California? Or was it? No, it was in. No, Grapevine, it was originally it? in California at the Citadel there, and then they moved it to Grapevine, which is part of the Dallas suburbs, mm-hmm. and moved it there because the first Citadel is here in Grapevine. Right. Um. So, uh, for 2022, uh, they announced that there would be four, uh, U.S. Open locations. Uh, there would be. Uh, Seattle in May, San Diego in June, and then in October, at the beginning of October, there would be Chicago, and at the bottom, and the bottom, and then at the end of October, Kansas City, which awesome for us, and uh, then with the finale at a resort in New Mexico, and so May saw the U.S. Open Seattle. In which case we had, if it wasn't clear that they were too strong, Tyranids versus Tyranids uh, for the finale. Um, so much like Adepticon, we had Eldari coming out of the gate super strong and Harlequins versus Harlequins and Tyranids right out of the gate, super strong, Tyranids versus Tyranids, and Tyranids were dominating tournament results. And it's like if it wasn't Tyranids, it was Harlequins. Um, and... Uh, yeah, balance has been an issue this year already. I mean, we are we aren't even halfway through the year yet, and as you can see, um, we are really not in a good place balance wise. Uh, it's not been a great year, and let's be honest, twenty twenty one wasn't a great year for balance either. Um, so, yeah, it's it, it's it's been rough. Um, Following U.S. Open Seattle, we had the Chaos Knights Army Box release with uh, the Knight Abominant kit and the new War Dogs included, as well as the the special edition uh, Chaos Knights Codex. And that same week, Imperial Knights got their standalone Codex. It wouldn't be in for another couple of weeks until Chaos Knights, or you know, it wouldn't be for till like almost the end of the month that Chaos Knights got their standalone codex along with the Knight and the War Dogs kits. Which man, those was, Chaos Knight models look so good. Oh, they're 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 fantastic models. But this also like started raising the same kinds of issues we saw with like the um like the Orcs Army box where, you know, from the year before where Okay, if you have if you're one of the lucky people that bought the uh special army box, you have access to the codex. Not not everybody else will, and so Imperial Knights may have abilities and balance that your stuff doesn't have or like your codex is no longer accurate until you have it. So it's just like it was having two armies that are effectively mirrors of each other released kind of at the same time, but not exactly, uh, is a little bit of a mess. Uh, not great. Um, but they did, you know, by the end of the month, it was all caught up. All right. But this is, as you noted, a thing that goes on for the rest of this year of when are those rules air quote legal for a tournament? Since not everyone has them. Is it the, the 
release box day or or is it when the actual standalone codex comes out and i think we've seen gw finally say going forward it's going to be when the standard codex comes out that so we'll we'll have to see how that plays off when we see the first big boxes come out or preview boxes come out next year mm-hmm uh, now, I know they've specified for Age of Sigmar. I'm hoping that, that like, for example, the Slaves of Darkness box just dropped yep. for them and that it's not going, or, you know, dropped like a couple of weeks ago and that that Battle Tome will not be legal for your tournament play until the general audience release. And I imagine, I don't know if they've specified that for 40K, but I would think that they should follow the same guidelines. They haven't, but that's the one I was referring to where I think they're going to make that same specification for 40k next year and i really hope they do it's the only way to make that fair like and i thought well man that would like make them not sell codex the preview codexes but then i'm like no people were buying those boxes not for the codex they were kind of because it was a great deal on the models right yeah so yeah so we had imperial knights codex come out the same day as the army box the chaos knights codex and the army the the models inside were released a few weeks later at the end of may also we got kill team morok which i picked up especially because it was the only place to get traitor guard we actually got the blooded uh, a unit of traitor guard which lit hope in my heart that traitor guard would be an option uh, as an army moving forward Granted, we had not seen the new Chaos Space Marine Codex yet, uh, which, spoilers, they're not in there. But uh, I was hoping, that, like, hey, if we get a Guard Codex before the end of the year, maybe Trader Guard will be an option. Uh, that doesn't pan out, unfortunately. But the Blooded are, like, that. the Trader Guard models are fantastic. I don't regret my purchase to the point where I bought another box of them at the Kansas City U.S. Open. So, like, I, I want to believe that one day it'll be an option. <laughs> one day um, you'll I, have Trader Guard. One day I'll have Trader Guard, even if I have to run them as a guard army, you know, just with the serial numbers filed off. It's just finding ways to make a legal guard army with what I've got. But okay, we're, so we're, you do that guard army, Richard gets to do the Gene Steeler guard army, and Kevin can do a regular guard army, and I'll, I guess I'll bring Voton Guard? Uh, yes. <laughs> short guard. Yeah. So then moving forward, beginning of June, June 2022 saw the release of the Horus Heresy Age of Darkness box, which is a gigantic box filled with books and plastic and a new rule set. And again, not explicitly 40K, but Horus Heresy does have knock, knock-on effects for uh, unit availability in uh, 40K, so, such as like being able to buy Leviathan Dreads in plastic, which are now a thing. So, uh, and also just having an alternate rule set for people to play. And I will say like the, the new horse heresy models are absolutely beautiful. They've done a fantastic job of getting all that resin, uh, translated into plastic and the kits actually being decently easy to put together and looking really nice. So I'm, I'm happy to see it there and it's, they are continuing to roll stuff out for it, so it doesn't look like they're going to stop supporting it anytime soon. No, I think it's going to be the next alternate way to play 40K, or in this case, 30K. Mm-hmm. But it, it gives you like the rule set from back 7th edition. So I like that there's multiple ways that you can like play the game, whichever suits how you feel like you 
enjoy it. Mm-hmm. No, it was it's it's a nice alt, you know, nice option. It allows it there's enough changes in it that the older horse heresy rule stuff is not compatible, but they've made all the rules very easy to get uh, without having to go through Forge World. So it's like the biggest problem with Horus Heresy in the past was accessibility because so much of it was tied into Forge World Resin, which is expensive and hard to get. And that is no longer the case. I mean, they've said specialty stuff will still be resin. Uh, anything that is faction specific, so like particular Legion shoulder guards or Legion Primarch or units that are only in one Legion, those will continue to be resin because they're kind of specialist pieces. And that's kind of the same model they have for like uh, Necromunda, where like very sp- like one-off characters and and things like that will be resin, but all the base stuff that you can use is in plastic. Um, we're seeing that with Horus Heresy. And so, yeah, it's, it actually makes the chance of finding other Heresy players who can actually afford to get into the game a, re- a reasonable thing. And I believe, I want to say the Age of Darkness box, unlike many la- uh, launch boxes where they tend to just disappear, I believe it is still available. Um Let's see. Yes, the Age of Darkness box you can still buy today. We are like six months later. It is still available. So I think two things on that. One, I think this is supposed to be your get into the game box. So they printed a lot of it. And two, I I think they overprinted. Uh, They might have seeing a lot of this. Yeah. But, uh, you know, they're. They're still going to continue to push it. Uh, they're still releasing new kits for it. So, you know, as long keeping this available as a, as an entry point is still a good thing. So whether they overproduced it or not, they're sticking with it. So, you know, it's right. not like and getting warehouse and like, oh, look, we found more later. Yeah. <laughs> well, they've done that. Good, <laughs> it's good having a a nice, I'll say, air quote, cheap. Entry point for things. It's a three hundred dollar box set, but it I does use air give, quotes. Yeah, but it does <laughs> give you a lot, like a lot of the stuff you need to play. Like it, it gives you a good chunk of what you need. So, uh, it's horse heresy is actually at a point where the investment to get into it at a basic level and be and be playable is in some ways, actually a little bit lighter than 40K with that particular box set being available. So right. that's that's pretty impressive. Um, let's see. We also got, in June, uh, the new Chaos Space Marine Codex, which uh, changed them up. There's some things I, I don't like about it, like not being able to make your own warband, just because it seems like such a departure from every other codex having the ability to make your own sub-faction, and you would think if one army could do it, it would be Chaos Space Marines. Uh, on the other hand, I like how the Chaos Space Marines play. I th- It's not an overly complicated codex compared to some of the other ones we've seen. I think the individual legions in there are well-modeled as far as their rules. Um, I like, I've played several games with it in, uh, in crusade play and the, like I've been playing Empress children and the response I get from every, it's like, wow, Empress children are really, really strong. And it's like, it's a, it's a good codex. It is not tearing up the charts, 
but it's like I think from all the MetaWatch articles, it's like right in the middle. It's like like in that forty-five to fifty-five percent win rate, which is where Games Workshop wants it. So it's it's a decently designed book. It it just feels, I think, a bit underpowered because it's not the powerhouse right out of the gate that we saw several times this year already. So um, so they got it right as opposed to overpowered. <laughs> they did get it. No, honestly, they did get it right. I think Chaos Space Marines is pretty much how a codex like it's how a ninth edition codex should probably be built. In all honesty. Uh, we had the uh, U.S. Open San Diego, which um, continued to see uh, Tyranids and Tau and Eldari still dominating. Uh, Tau beat Tyranids at U.S. Open San Diego, but like the, we are seeing the same army's podium over and over again. So again, bad game balance was still not in a great place. But we are about to see a number of changes. First off, we got chapter-approved Warzone Nephilim. And whereas Warzone Nachman was just kind of a tweaks and revisions to what we had seen before, Nephilim was a full-blown change. Uh, changing some thing, some fundamentals from the core rules for these particular missions, in fact. Um, we... Saw armies starting with half as many command points, but generating more during the game. Uh, we saw every army's secondary objectives reprinted in the rulebook, and you can only use the ones from the rulebook, not your codex. So if they're printed the same, great. If they're printed differently, use the Nephilim versions. Which uh, I, I like because I liked having all the rules there so you could kind of see it. Because if... I'm, if there's a faction I don't play, I might not know their secondaries. But now by having Nephilim, I can flip through and see what types of secondaries other factions have. Right. Yeah. No, it's it's actually good to be able to compare and contrast and see so you know what your what kind of things your opponent can do. Um, we also saw changes in getting uh, Warlord traits and relics. No more free Warlord traits or relics. You have to buy them with stratagems. And uh, they provided stratagems for your basically your first ones in the Nephilim Warzone book. So I command points me, took a major hit. <laughs> yeah, and especially command points getting halved, and then if you because a lot I love adding on relics and warlord traits because that's kind of what makes your he- champion hero characters. I mean, I didn't pick the, apparently the ones that were like breaking the game, but they wanted to limit that. So if you had like a outrider detachment, well, there's three of your six two th- in your 2000 point army. Well, if you want a warlord trait, well, there's one. Uh, do you want a relic? There's two. You're down to one command point to start the game with. It just, it limited how much you could do to customize and build your army prior to it getting on the table. Yes. It, 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 like their main goal on this was to get rid of the, the alpha strike combo where like armies were basically dumping almost all their command points to trigger multiple stratagems on like turn one or two. And, uh, that was some armies were very capable of doing that and basically inflicting so much damage on their opponent that there was no recovery for the rest of the game for their opponent. And so this was their attempt to do that. It's like, okay, if you build an army that is tricked out with, um, like if you like, if you're building a one detachment army that has a warlord trait and a single relic, 
um, you're only going to be running four command points. That's not a whole lot to to do anything with. Um, you still like you still have things you can do, but you can't just like I'm going to drop like six, eight, ten command points turn one to trigger everything. But it, the downside was it penalized some army building. Like, oh, I'm sorry, I wanted to use uh, Mortarian and uh, Battalion in my army. Oh, well, I had looks like I have like a command point <laughs> or zero command points. Yeah, or as we kind cases. of made made fun of my um, soup night list I had at, at Midwest Conquest, where prior to. Um, Nachmund, I or Nephilim, sorry. Prior to Nephilim, I had enough command points to make that work. After Nephilim, that army won't work because I spent so many command points, like adding in detachments, adding in relics, making my Inquisitor have the Warlord trait. So it really cut down on what you can do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. But from what we've seen from their MetaWatch articles, it has done what they wanted. It oh, ha- I it totally has, agree with that. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's given them the result that they wanted. And honestly, it makes it more consistent with other games. Because, like, Age of Sigmar is built more on generating command points as the game goes on and using them sporadically throughout. And this gets... 40k to that point as well and if you want to start with more command points you are going to have to give up some of the things that you kind of take for granted so and it i think this also showed us that games workshop is not afraid to experiment with uh the overall structure of the game to make it a better game for matched play while also keeping these kind of siloed off as these are matched play, which was really interesting getting into the crusade league and trying to get people to realize that's the, the crusade rules don't follow those rules. Yeah. Yeah, That that's, this is a different mission pack with different expectations. And I will say something that's come from making this change that leads into what you're talking about. Maybe we'll see later is, um, it got to be people aren't comboing alpha striking stratagems and characters anymore, but you'll see throughout the games the same stratagems being used over and over again because you now wouldn't get the you'd get the CP that you could just keep knowing that you'll keep using the same stratagems over and over. So it it gets me thinking, and I'll wonder if GW is thinking of. If stratagems are being used over and over, may like certain ones, maybe we should put that on the actual units rather than have like fifty stratagems per army. Yeah, only like, like two or three are being used. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what lessons they take away from this uh, and and from the games that have been played. And it is good to know though that they have been paying attention to how those games are played. They have been watching that, so we're seeing a very I, I think this was when we started realizing we have a very proactive GW now as far as trying to keep th- the game as balanced as they can. And as we will also see, acknowledging when they come up short of that mark and doing what they can to fix it. Also, along with the change uh, with the new Warzone Nephilim, we saw something that I am very glad that they did. And I am 
like I, I cannot praise this enough. And that was separating the points out from this book and putting it in a online document for free. Yeah. Uh, uh, this is huge for a number of reasons. One, it acknowledges that not everybody who uses points wants to play matched play. Some people want to play casually, don't care about the chapter approved, but they felt obligated to buy that book because, well, that's the only place where the points balance gets adjusted. And what Games Workshop said is, okay, okay you're right. You shouldn't have to buy that book if you're not going to use it. So... We're just going to make the points available. And that also gives them the freedom to adjust that points document as needed rather than having to worry about pushing out like a little mini print version in White Dwarf, which they had done like once or twice uh, in the previous like year or so. So this has been a fantastic change. I'm very glad to see this, Um, although I've been playing mostly Crusade lately, so I just care about power level rather than points. I was thrilled to see it, too. I mean, like... I can just reiterate all the things you said of this is now an online spot where anyone can look things up. Even if you don't have those codexes, even if you don't have the, um, I keep on wanting to say Nachman, Nephilim. <laughs> so yeah. And I do, I do think they will keep this going in the future too, for keeping all, keeping all the points there so we can easily reference them. I just, Part two, I wish they'd do this with power levels. I know they're not. <laughs> yeah, I know. They've had like power level upgrade documents, but they don't update them regularly and they don't list them out for everybody. So yeah, it's it would be nice if they had this as a separate thing for power level, but they also don't update power level with the same frequency. They just kind of like, well, power level's fine. It's like, yeah, sometimes it's not. Especially if they make major point changes. <laughs> right. All right, uh, moving, which actually comes into play with some of these balance updates where they'll massively strike a unit for points and then not adjust the power level. And so suddenly, like, you've got two different ways to play where the balance is going to be wildly different because it they've, they've changed one and not the other. Um, speaking of balance issues, we got our third balance data slate of the year. I would like to remark this is late June. They say this is the quarter three document, but this should only be, like, quarter two. So we've... I mean, maybe it's fiscal quarter, but... Uh, uh, well, the first one kind of felt like it, it was in the first quarter. I suppose and, so. And A- the April one would have been second quarter. I guess, I guess this is the beginning of the third quarter. So, okay, yeah, it's fine. It's fine. But I, Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, the big, one, big differences on quarter three, and I've got the quarter two, because fortunately all of these are still online. Uh, so quarter two and quarter three. First off, uh, some things got rolled back. Uh, Mechanicus at this point has been beaten bloody into the ground. And so they had started rolling back a number of the changes that they had made to Mechanicus. Um, the There were in the previous document, one, two, three, four, five, six bullet points. Uh, this was reduced to two. Uh, so a lot of changes for Mechanicus have been rolled back at this point. Uh, but more importantly, Asuriani and Nids got hit. Um, Harlequins had already been touched somewhat, uh, and those changes were still there. And in fact, um, Harlequins even got more changes to them in uh, and in this quarter three document. But we also saw uh, Asuriani get tweaks to. Um, 
Fire and Fade to the Hail of Doom Far-Flung Craftworld attribute, uh, the Eldritch Storm stratagem, the Matchless Agility stratagem. So they they started uh, tamping those down. Nids lost the ability to use their Synaptic Imperatives if their warlord was no longer on the table, which was a huge change. And then the biggest change to Tyranids, they removed an entire mechanic. And that was the adaptive, the the high fleet adaptation. Like, uh, that was like kind of the whole thing that the army did. And that's gone for matched play. So, yeah. Ah, I mean, it was cool, but it was also apparently too good. Um, so, yeah, uh, they they were really trying to um, trying to fix Nids and Eldari. Both of those, are, like Nids, are still strong, but they've been toned down somewhat. Um, Eldari and Harlequins are still like moving strong. targets. They're still strong, um, and Harlequins are still like at the very top end of strong. Yeah, still- but I I really think Harlequins being really up there is just at the tournament level people who are really good are the ones who are playing them yeah 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 it's again it's that the the bias of who's playing it it's the same reason why like mechanicus isn't doing well now because it's not a strong army right now and so strong players aren't using it uh for the most part let's see we also saw quarter three saw necrons given core to more units <laughs> specifically all of their vehicles which was a problem because that included the Silent King, which was an unforeseen <laughs> knock-on effect, which then made Necrons stupidly strong. They also changed how their command protocol abilities worked so that they stuck, or like you'd pick one that would stick around all game rather than having to rotate them necessarily every turn. Uh, they still rotate, but there's all one that's always effect, always in place. Also, Orcs got their buggy limitation uh rolled back somewhat and they got changes to their wall rules. So like orcs, they realized they had pushed down too much. And uh, so kind of backed off on that a bit. Uh, so at, at balance is an ongoing struggle as you're releasing new books and new units and uh, games workshop still keeps trying to hit that target. I think they're better I think at this point with the uh, Nephilim changes, the points changes, and this data slate, we see a lot of uh, improvement in the balance. I don't think we see quite as much like one army dominating, but we do see uh, we do see some armies pulled up. But unfortunately, like the Mechanicus changes didn't move the needle on them. They were pretty much still dead last at this point. Well, I think it's because Mechanicus are still super complicated. And they are. They are a very complex army. Only the people that really love Mechanicus are playing them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, July, not a whole lot in July. We got the new paint line, which was basically a whole bunch of new contrast paints, uh, redone, uh, a redone shade system, and uh, like new uh, white primer for applying those. We also saw the plastic chaos cultists and dark commune models released for the chaos space Marine codex. And at near the end of July, uh, the uh, model for Angron for the world eaters was finally revealed, uh, which uh, puts it 
right in line with we now have three of the four god specific demon pro- primarchs at least seen uh angron is not out yet but he will most likely be out in january when his uh codex drops yeah so six months after reveal <laughs> six months after reveal but uh this is kind of still that we're we're drip feeding stuff at this well, point and this is fair we'll get to it too but voton was also six months after reveal this is true um, August, uh, we had the rest of the cast Space Marine uh, units, specifically the Accursed Cultists and the Possessed, released. Um, I had a chance to assemble and review the Cultists, Dark Commune, and Accursed Cultists. I'm a little disappointed in how monoposed they are, but uh, it is still nice to have new models for them and a slightly different aesthetic. And then at the end of August, or later on August, we got the... Uh, Chaos Demons Codex, which was interesting because basically it's five codexes in one, and none of the gods have more than eight stratagems available. And then there's Belakor with uh, the his basically army of renown, but he also slots into pretty much any other demon army as is. We also see Zinch Demons being way too strong out of the gate due to the change in... Uh, demonic saves because uh demons don't have invulnerable saves they have their own completely unmodifiable saves yep. which is big I, for them <laughs> it's it's huge for them and i both love and hate it as a demons player this is amazing this is like the best thing ever because now i mean there's getting more things on the board that ignore invulnerable saves so they're still rare but they're out there and these saves are better than what the invulnerable saves would be. So I'm like, hey, I can finally get demonettes into melee. Hey, I can do this. But I will say, playing against it, because I got to play against a Slanesh player at the US Open later. And um yeah, those all the Slanesh things there were really hard to get off the table. Because my AP didn't matter. It was more do you fail your save or not, Demons player? And so it kind of I would say it wasn't a feels bad, but it was a more like, ah, man. Because, I mean, AP doesn't matter. Yeah. And it was also good because we were starting to see so many more things added that ignored invulnerable saves. And they needed something against that. Um, So... No, I the demonic save is is a good thing overall. I think it is, yes. But I think... The the fact that Zinch has uh, three up against ranged that can't be modified in any way, and they're also got the best shooting in the demon army, um, has made them a little bit too strong. Wait, so they're, they're shooting in that book. Yeah, there is, there is, and it's actually dominating. Um, so because uh, Kevin's the, corn and my Slanesh don't see it, because oh. I think they said the U.S. Open Zinch has a seventy percent win rate. Yeah. It's it's not in a so expect to see that adjusted in the uh, January twenty twenty three about the quarter one twenty twenty three days I, late. I think three up demonic is just too much. I don't think mm-hmm. they should dip below four. I, I since agree it's, since it's not modifiable. Right. Uh, moving on to September, we had Nova Open. Nova Open returned uh, for the first time uh, in a couple of years, and uh, Necrons ended up winning uh, Nova Open, uh, bolstered by that giving uh, core to all vehicles, including the Silent King, who can now buff himself. Uh, that 
may or may not have been a problem. Uh, so uh, we do see that addressed later. Uh, and then at Nova Open, we also saw the new Corn Ber- Berserker models revealed. So again, we're getting that, like you said, that six-month slow drip of 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 units and lore that we see with uh, Votan. And speaking of Votan, well, actually, there's one other thing. Uh, we also saw the Kill Team Into the Dark uh, box set. Now, the reason I mention this, again, it's tech, it's 40k adjacent, but I mention this because this was the first of the Gallo Dark season for Kill Team, where everything was focused on playing inside a Space Hulk, and so we had interior terrain with walls and doors and bulkheads and i mentioned that because that is seeming to be the trend that games workshop wants to push for at least the next six to nine months maybe more as we are going to see when we get to our october reveals also in september there finally released the Leagues of Votan Army Box, which included the Codex, the Hearthkin Warriors, the Call, the Hernkin Pioneers, and the Einherr Champion in the box. Yeah. And this box, one, it was an amazing deal for all that. Two, I think they sold out online. Mm-hmm. Uh, three, I think a lot of places here, at least in Dallas, did sell out I, I found a couple that had some more like the, the week after i'm like do i need more boxes no i've already got three i should be good enough um <laughs> but yeah there was so much hype for this people were excited because this is a faction that we hadn't seen for a long time that some didn't let me myself included didn't think would ever come out as i made jokes about um and so you got a huge mix of people that just were excited because we have space dwarves. But we also had those that, oh, well, Games Workshop's trend is this is going to be the next big faction, so they're going to put lots of broken stuff in it. And I think you had both of those thought processes when people were purchasing this this set. Mm-hmm. Which is funny, <laughs> Because like a week or so later, they had to release a video apologizing for the Leagues of Votan Codex. Ah, uh, yeah. Uh, which again, classic. The the video I, I rewatched it yesterday when I was putting together this list, and just the the James Workshop character who they only generally trot out around Christmas time to discuss how to uh, when to. Sh- to buy from Games Workshop so your gifts get shipped in time for Christmas, uh, which that window has now passed as of time of recording for everyone, including the UK. But uh, um, yeah, they basically like, well, of course they needed a leg up. They haven't won a tournament in 30 years. (laughs) Well, I can't talk now. I've got to go give a two up and vulnerable save to every unit in Codex Zotes. No, I don't know what that means either. Ah, yeah. Um, no, they, they, it's a fantastic video. I'm, I'm, I, I love that. And then they meet like, okay, so we've heard your concerns. Leagues of Otan came out a bit too strong, and so we are going to be adjusting that. And so they um, basically uh, nerfed the Eye of Judgment ability somewhat, and then did points increases pretty much across the board for that yeah. entire army. And the points increases, I think, were 
fine. I just wish they would have been targeted instead of across the board, at least until people saw and played with them. But I still don't like the eye of judgment change because it affects really four things. And the only one people were scared about is having a weapon that could spill over damage like it was mortal wounds. And I am still kind of, I'm going to jump ahead. I am still waiting for that outcry when guard have a weapon that when it does damage, it also does spill over mortal wounds, but no yeah. one seeming to complain or want to nerf that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not, not great. And I, yeah, I don't like, I, I find the change to eye of judgment right up there with the, uh, balanced data slate change to um like the adaptive <laughs> traits for for tyranids it's like oh this is a core like a core ability and you've basically made it not interact with the rules it was specifically designed to interact with so right. yeah it's and it's, just i'll jump ahead again just like tyranids still did well um voton as of this recording are still doing well in, in tournaments. Oh yeah. They're, they're doing fine. Um, I do appreciate that they wanted to get this out early before most of the army was even available for sale. Uh, they wanted people to be able to, I mean, like what you get in the army box is kind of like a, for the most part, like the core of the army, you're going to pretty much want these anyway, but by getting this, these changes out before the rest of the kits were available, it does help alleviate the feels bad of like buying a bunch of stuff and then realizing, oh, this is actually going to be too expensive to put into an army. So, well, not I, just I, too expensive, but also seeing what they do. I know, I think it's more like you said, the points, but yeah, I did not purchase a second land fortress. One is, is, is going to be plenty. Although having two parked in a backfield does sound pretty awesome, but. Mm, so, yeah, I, I appreciate that that came out and that did influence how much I bought of the army. Yeah. So, yeah, it is good that they got that out sooner rather than later. So, yeah, it's kind of a, a, a quick and dirty fix, but at least they did it in a timely fashion. I'm still crossing my fingers and hoping that when the next balance stuff hits in January, February, that... um We'll see where they where they're at. Yeah. Let's see. Moving on to October, um, we had uh, the Warhammer Day reveals a second Warhammer Day, uh, which is when the boarding actions uh, rule set and terrain set was revealed. I mentioned that Kill Team Into the Dark was moving into Space Hulks. Uh, we are getting boarding actions as a, another way to play 40k. We'll have more about that coming up in the next month or two, I imagine. But uh, as they've been pushing the Arcs of Omen storyline, which is the narrative portion of boarding actions. And one thing they did try to make absolutely clear on the Arcs of Omens books is that those books are going to not contain anything required for matched play. No unit data sheets, no armies of renown, nothing like that. They want to make that very clear because they're trying to get away from the you have to buy this narrative book to play the faction, you like play competitive 40k because that has been also a concern about rules bloat in that you now have like 
to play particular builds, you may have to carry, you know, buy and carry multiple books around. And I think they are trying to address that after the fact that it's become <laughs> a problem, but they're trying to keep it from becoming a bigger problem. So I do appreciate that. Um, we also saw our first looks at the uh, new Astra Militarum models uh, with new Cadian guard models being revealed. And we got to, to see a, a World Eaters character, the Lord Invocatus, who is a World Eaters Lord on Juggernaut, complete with a chainsaw horn on the uh, Juggernaut's nose. Uh, then, uh, beginning of October, we also had the U.S. Open in Chicago. U.S. Open is back on after a few months off. And uh, Harlequins, again, um, win uh, against Emperor's Children. It was Ben Sherwin playing the Emperor's Children. And Jack, I think Jack Harpster played Harlequins. Uh, I mentioned that because Jack Harpster was also who won uh, Nova Open 2022 with Necrons. So, two major events kind of in a row. Um, I'll just toss out here. I, I watched this. I was super impressed that Emperor's Children actually made it. I mean, when I saw who was playing it, I wasn't as surprised, but I, w I was happy that Emperor's Children made a great showing. Yeah, and like I said, Emperor's Children, it's strong. It, it Like, one of the things about Emperor's Children is you just ignore all penalties to your weapon and ballistic skill, which allows you to deal with a lot of the, the threats without any, you know, any penalty, allows you to move and fire without penalties in many ways, so it's it's a strong uh, sub-faction for Chaos Space so Marines. striving for perfection is a good thing, right? Absolutely. <laughs> um, October is when we saw the Leagues of Votan Codex uh, released separately, along with the entire line of Leagues of Votan models. There's no yes. slow drip on these. Everything that, is out at this well, point. Well, they, they had to because it's a brand new full army so they had to have the entire army line out when the codex dropped but right that that was the, the bad month for me dollar wise mm. <laughs> uh, yeah uh, let's see then we also had the quarter four uh balanced data slate uh going into october so again that makes sense it's the beginning of the fourth quarter uh, so our changes there, uh, we saw Astro Militarum get vehicles added to the uh, Armor of Contempt list because that needed to happen, apparently. Um, we saw all the Mechanicus changes completely removed from the list, which still did not help. This is uh, why I think they they tested Mechanicus and these others against each other. And because with, I mean, Mechanicus should be dominating if all the changes have been reverted, right? Right. And yet they are the dead bottom of the uh, win rate lists right now. So, yeah, it's, the, yeah, these were all basically tested against that. And that's one of the issues that they brought up with the Leagues of Oton book is that it was tested against pre-nerf Asuriani and, you know, pre-nerf Eldari, pre-nerf Tyranids. And we're kind of seeing the effect of the, uh, like, the, the, the cycle, of, like, the development cycle on these codexes. You know, something hits, and it's too strong, and it gets adjusted because it was tested against something that was too strong at the time, which has since been adjusted, and we see, you know, it just 
the process just keeps carrying forward. Now, fortunately, we are almost done. I think with, with Astro Militarum, we are done with the old codexes. All of them have been done, except I think Assassins are still in a uh, Psychic Awakening book. I think that's the only thing that hasn't been updated for 9th edition. And we're going to have a new faction with World Eaters coming in a month or so. So we should stop seeing new codexes released for a few months, and then we'll see what happens if 10th edition hits this summer. I am pretty sure it will. Just I can't see it not. Uh, let me say it that way. Right. Um, that, those, let's see, and other changes. Uh, they did also fix the Necron oversight by uh, pulling characters off the list of getting core. So um, that's better. Space Marines got one of their secondary objectives changed to give them more points. It hasn't really helped a whole lot, but it it, it was adjusted. Uh, that quarter four was more fine tweaks than anything else. Um, no major changes there. Uh, and then uh, at the end of October, we had the U.S. Open in KC, uh, where uh, Blood Angels beat thousand suns in the final by one point. Uh, so better. We're seeing better balance. If we're not seeing the same armies over and over again. Yeah. And just hearing the two armies names there, just like, wow. Thousand. Yeah. It's a real blood yeah, it's angels. A, yeah. It's a real outlier for the rest of the year. Right. But it's great that. And then part two, when you said it was a one point, that's how close a lot. I heard it on the top tables. A lot of those games were super close. Mm hmm. So, I, I I mean, it's sounding like Nephilim is, was kind of delivering what they wanted. Like, this mission pack is finally leading to the kinds of games they're wanting to see. So, hopefully this and is... And now it's going away. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it's seasonal. So, we'll right. see what replaces it. And if they continue along with that trend or if they try something completely different. Well, I'd, I'd heard at US Open, they, were, they made a point that each season would be unique in its own way. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what's going to be coming up, but I, I think it's going to be different. Yeah. So yeah, we remains to be seen what season one of 2023 is going to look like. Uh, then lots of Eldar. <laughs> 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 um, then finally, uh, November, I say finally, because we are in December and we've already talked about December last episode. November, we got the Cadia Stands box for the Imperial Guard. Uh, the Astro Militarum got their new codex, and we see the new Cadians, new Cadian Infantry Squad, the Cadian Command Squad, the Field Batteries, and the new Sentinel Kit. We also got the Goff Rocker model in November. Uh, there, oh, it was so cool. Yeah, the, the holiday model was the Goff Rocker and is, is a fantastic choice yes. this year. Amazing. And they also made an awesome video for when he came out. <laughs> oh yes, yes they did. <laughs> awesome if you haven't video. seen it, go watch it. Yes, yeah. and they've done a couple of of cute like web comics where like Gazgul shows up and and yells and like he's the biggest and the baddest and he's the biggest baddest fan of you. Can I have an autograph to the to the golf rocker? <laughs> Ask for his autograph. <laughs> oh, that's great. 
And then, uh, th- and that I'm pretty much going to leave it there because last episode we talked at length about the U.S. Open finals, especially with the Crusade events and uh, the reveals from the the U.S. Open narrative. But we so, still haven't talked about the the excitement for world leaders that none of the three of us have. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've ta- I did talk to Kevin about it, and so far. Um, I hate to say excitement is not quite the word I would use for it. He's it's uh, there's I, I because he's been watching the the world eaters chat channels and like Reddit and such and and seeing like where the takes are because there's there's been a few purported leaks which again uh, not going to report on on leaks, uh, but uh, not amazingly inspired. Although they did release the rules for Angron like last week, and he's seemingly somewhat ridiculous. Yeah, Angron's rules revealed how many spines could spine grinder grind if spine grinder could grind spines, is the name of the article. Five. Um, <laughs> uh, 16 inches of movement, weapon skill 2, ballistic skill 2, okay, not surprising, he's a Primarch. Uh, strength 9, tough 7, 18 wounds, 12 attacks, uh, 2 up armor, um, and his, uh, he can choose to do sweeping attacks, which allows each of his attacks make three hit rolls instead of one. So, yes, that is 36. Or he can do uh, a strength 5, AP minus 4, D3 plus 3 damage attack. So, he can do 12 of those <laughs> at strength 14. So, um, yeah, they, they did a... Uh, with an average set of rolls, you can expect Angron to effortlessly eviscerate around 30 Imperial Guard troopers like it's no big deal. He may not have I a wouldn't arcane, be for him. He may not have an arcane alien gun or fancy psychic powers to show off, but who needs magic when you have huge arms and a whopping great axe to grind? Um he's got uh a number of command like auras he can trigger from turn to turn that improve world eaters around him. Apparently he like, this isn't mentioned in the article, but uh, I've heard rumors that he may be able to uh, basically come back from death, which I mean, Bobby G can. Yeah. So like Angron looks to be, he's going to be big and nasty. But we will see more about how big and nasty he is in full when we get that codex. Again, assuming next month is supposed to be when that's supposed to hit. But And that brings us up to where we were last episode. So, yes, that has been 2022 in review. We got a brand new faction. We got all the rest of the uh, 8th edition codexes updated to 9th edition. We got a constant struggle to maintain balance in the game. Uh, definitely kind of a peek behind the curtain that uh, th- trying to release a codex based off of playtesting against other powerful codexes has some weird side effects. It, it's it's been an interest. It's been an interesting year for. I know for some people it's been a frustrating year. For some people it's been a very exciting year. I, I would say overall it's been a good year. And it was also nice to see a lot of events coming back. We had Midwest Conquest 2022 uh, for first time in a couple of years. Well, I mean, it would be the for only time there would be 2022, but first Midwest Conquest in 
in two years, although we did not run it, but we did get to play in it. Um, it, it was the, uh, the friendly that Kevin ran was a lot of fun. Yeah, I and still you and I got to battle if... on stream, which was I nice. know. I still have to decide if I'm going to do friendly next year, if I'm going to put Voton in the competitive. Yeah, I I will. Pr- it depends on what they do with the friendly. Uh, I'm I will probably stick with the friendly, but uh, I don't know. It depends. Like I said, the new seasons like because that will be at the tail end of. Um, whatever season one of next year is, so that will give me time to kind of get up to speed with that season and and figure out how the whatever new mission structure or command point structure or whatever they do plays out. So, and my thoughts with it are, I don't even if I build a fluffy Voton list, I don't feel like it would be friendly. Now, if it was more Crusader narrative, I could probably move over to that. But if it's just like the friendly again, I think I hate saying this, but I think Votron are too strong for that. <laughs> yeah, I think it would be hard to to hit friendly with Votron right now, considering they're still at like about a fifty six, fifty seven percent win rate. They're a strong army. It's it's unless you take specifically try to take us a, a, a off meta build. Which you could. Well, I always take off meta builds. That fair, but true. I, I still think they would be too strong, and mm-hmm. the the off meta builds that I would not want to take are the all the ones I don't really use or care for much, like the berserkers, who I'm told are good actually in the right setting, or the thunderkin, which I still uh, we'll see. <laughs> yeah, and I'd ha- I'd have to decide if I want to go with Tau. I I would probably go with Tau Thousands or not Thousands Sons. I don't have Thousands Sons. I would probably go with Tau Sisters or maybe Blood Angels. It just depends on if I would have the Blood Angels painted in time. But uh, I'm going to start the next year working on my Sisters. I, I maybe I should go back to Sisters. I haven't. I've only played them a little bit in Ninth Edition. So so uh, yeah, I'm. I, I need to play around with the the new sister stuff, which I, I have not done yet. So that's true because when it all came out, that's when I jumped on the sisters bandwagon. And right, I mean, whereas, I, I like sisters before then, but this is now I finally had the models, and I think since that came out, they've kind of been my primary army until now. Right. So yeah, it might be nice to to get back to them. I had I had fun playing my Tau the, at uh, U.S. Open. Um, We'll have to see if I want to play that way for com- if I want to do competitive or not. I'll I'll figure it out. But so I'm looking forward to 2023. I'm not sure exactly like with the the rumors of a a new edition on the horizon. It's kind of hard to tell what that'll be. Although that won't be until like June or July. So um, that's at least five months of of this environment to play in. So I'll just kind of plan on the next five months then right and then whatever comes next comes next yeah and i guess for me going ahead in the new year i'm focusing voton even though i air quote have this army this year that's going to be my air quote new army new year for next year mm-hmm. and i'm gonna try and play them as much as i can to get me kind of away from changing armies every month i'm gonna try and just focus on one for a year and see how that goes can can any of us actually stick with one army for is that is that is that the challenge? <laughs> That's my challenge for me at least. <laughs> um, I'll be imp- I'll honestly be impressed if you can do it. Um, especially 
especially like what happens if they do do like, hey, we're going to do the yearly new uh, Phoenix Lord and uh, Aspect Warriors. I'll still buy them. I'll still paint them. You just won't necessarily play them in an event. Yeah. Fair. That's I mean, my my favorite Phoenix Lord's already been done, so. (laughs) That's, yeah, I was going to say, they've already done Jane's R. You're you're all good there, so. All right. Well, let's go ahead and uh, move over to uh, Hobby Progress. Um, mine has been finishing up Age of Sigmar stuff, so I don't really think... I mean, it's it's progress. It's getting my... That project, like, that army will be done, and then I can move on to 40k stuff. But uh, but that's what I've been doing. Dennis, you seem to indicate you had a count. <laughs> oh, well, I've been going... Well, not crazy, but I... Since the last episode, I've put together five more Berserkers... I've put together five more Hearthkin. I've put together uh, six um, Pioneers. And then we had a nice day here. One nice day. Um, so I got all of those primed, including my five Berserkers that weren't primed yet. So that then got me to, I made a list, this is what Rob was talking about, of my Voton models. And I've got 36 completed and ready to go. I have 54 that are primed. I just need to paint. So that's going to be my backlog I'm working on for the next foreseeable future. And then I still have 44 models to build, of which 40 of those are more warriors, because I only have 30 of my 70 put together. (laughs) (laughs) But once I, I on the table in front of me, I have my last 10 of those 30 I'm painting. So once I have that done... I'll have three troops so I can do my battalions. So that's just my main goal. <laughs> so lots of putting together priming and painting, and hopefully over the next couple of weeks I will make a bigger dent into my what needs to get painted list. Um, I've been busy playing Pokemon, so <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a con- that's continuing from last episode. So you're nothing if not consistent. So. Yes. Well, I one thing I did get the secret layer orcs oh, nice. for Magic the Gathering. So I have I have myself a a Gazgol themed Zergo Helm Smasher that uh, I'm trying to make a commander deck for, and I'm actually going to try and go through and make it try and make it as like the secret layer is all of five cards so i i need to like go through and i'm going to make some like proxy like reskinned versions of of a bunch of existing cards and try and make as 40k of a commander deck as i can for gaskull well that sounds exciting have you tried either the two decks that you had like the what necrons Uh, and necrons and tyranids i have not uh i have not really opened up either of those i haven't really gotten a chance to to play magic commander gotcha commander Mm -hmm. in, in a while so yeah we haven't had a chance to really get together and do commander nights lately so yeah, I, I will say then I've tried the Space Marine one and the Chaos Space Marine one. They're both tons of fun. The four decks seem to be very balanced against each other. 
and you'll see lots of big creatures on the board and lots of board wipes. So it <laughs> felt like just, hey, let's put our troops out. Oh, they're all dead. Put more troops out. They're all dead. It's just, it felt like a 40k game in the mm-hmm. magic world. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah, I just, I have, I did not end up picking up any of the decks because they made them unnecessarily scarce and they they pushed the price up on them for no real reason so i'm kind of i mean it's my own personal gesture i'm not trying to tell anyone what they should or shouldn't do with their money that's like if you want to buy those be my guest i was i was excited for them but when i like what i've seen of um, Wizards of the Coast and what they've been doing with like product pricing and things like that, I've just like finally had to say, nah, this isn't for me. So I'm kind of taking a break from buying anything uh, magic right. related. But I also still have like 30 commander decks, so I'm, <laughs> I'm not hurting any time. Like if I want to get in a game, I'm not hurting. They, they, they did not take your cards away. You can still play <laughs> exactly. And yep. and I will remark that uh, they recently had a sale of a thousand dollar thousand dollars for like four packs of proxies so that's i'm taking that as uh an implicit uh acceptance of proxying as a valid way to play the game so uh, we'll see like i proxied a few cards in one of my like one of my most recent uh commander decks so if i feel like i need anything since especially because i don't play at like tournaments or sanctioned events i just play with friends i just play with friends they do not care if i proxy cards so it's like social agreement is in place exactly it's like it'd be like i wouldn't go into a uh sanctioned event with my proxies just like i wouldn't try to play at a gw store with like 3d printed models or you know something or third-party models because i respect that like that's the rules they've set in place for their thing i just for my own personal use i will do something different and that's fine so yeah if like i said this is not to like name and shame anybody who (laughs) bought uh no if you bought if you liked the world warhammer 40k commander decks love them enjoy them have you know be my guest I just I I chose not to buy them and I haven't had a chance to really play commander or any since around then anyway so it's not it, it's not me being sour graves it's just like yeah it's I I decided it's not for me so but uh but yeah I was I was kind of disappointed the orcs secret lair was five cards that seemed like especially after everybody else get like oh, gets a full deck of stuff yeah yeah that you know it gives me a little project to do cuz because like i've already i made i went through and i am starting to pick out you know the cards that i want to run in the deck and like i'm starting first with stuff that's like really just like orc thematic and it seems like it would fit in the 40k universe without any like changes and stuff and then I'm starting to look at other cards that would be good in the deck and trying to think of how I can, like, reskin them and, like, turn them into 40k. Like, I did a... I took two of the Theros gods and turned them into Gork and Mork. <laughs> nice! <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like, you, you've been, like, designing, like, proxies and altars for a while now so this is a perfect project for you yeah like two years ago i had already done exactly what they did with gasgol and and like did a a reskin of 
Zergo as as Gazgol. Yeah, so. <laughs> so you predicted it. Yep. Yep. <laughs> And as we've deter- as we've discovered, if they had released the the orcs deck as a whole deck that you could buy, you might be waiting a year before they <laughs> before they shipped oh, it out. Yeah, because uh, the the professor at Tolarian Community College ordered the heads I win, tails you lose deck, and it took them a year to ship it to him. So, oh man, yeah, yeah, and he's a bit looking. It's like, yeah, it probably wasn't worth the wait, but. <laughs> So yeah, uh, but no, it's it sounds like it'll be a fun project, and yeah, and I will pl- like I will play Commander again, so we'll get a chance. I, I do want when you get that Orc deck done, I definitely want to face off against it. All right, um, no morale phase because I think us talking about Commander for a little bit counts as a morale <laughs> phase at me. this point. Yeah, yeah, sure, yeah. So um, and I think the morale for everybody is going to be it's the holidays. Uh, Christmas holidays, is coming up. Everyone. Yeah. Like this episode should drop before Christmas. Um, so, uh, our next episode won't be probably until about the second or third week of January. Cause I'm not going to record on new year's. That's, that's just a hard no. It's holiday so, time. <laughs> so we're going to take a couple of weeks off. We'll be back in mid January and, uh, we'll be talking about, uh, whatever we want to talk about then. Remember, um, get your, uh, letters into us. If you want to, Get your letter into the mail hopper to be read on the air. And again, that's uh, email, Facebook, or Mastodon are the three best ways to reach us. You can find links to all of those on uh, our website, preferredenemies.com. But until then, from all of us here at uh, Preferred Enemies, I'm your host, Rob. Dennis. And Richard. And I'm sure Kevin would wish this to you, too. Good night, good gaming, and Merry Christmas, everybody. Have a happy new year. Preferred Enemies is an Undergopher Radio production and is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 3.0 Unported License. Our theme music is Metal Slug 2 Super Vehicle 001-2, No Need to Reload, originally by Takushi Hayamuda and remixed by Roataka, courtesy of OC Remix. It can be found at ocremix.com. Miniatures. We build them, we paint them, we love them. That's why we also want to get them to the battle and back again safely. And that's where Kara Multicase comes in. They offer a complete model storage and transport system. They offer a wide selection of core trays for standard size miniatures, as well as custom cut trays for specific models. KR's trays are made of a soft foam, available in a variety of colors, that won't scratch or snag your models. And to protect the foam, the trays are carried in easily stackable, swappable cardboard cases. They also offer a full range of Kaiser bags, backpacks, and aluminum cases for transporting your KR cases. You can even choose from pre-built tray selections to suit your army, or use the Autofill app to find just the right trays for your particular force. Whatever your game, 40K, X-Wing, Warm Hordes, or Historicals, KR Multicase has the cases to fit your needs. You can find out more at krmulticase.com. KR Multicase, soft foam for your figures, hard cases for the soft foam. Thank <laughs> you.
Are you tired of playing on a boring battlefield? Do you want to step up the quality of your gaming table and make your battle look real? Then you need to check out the Battle Mats from Game Mat. They're professionally designed rubber-based mats are just what your gaming table needs. Available in a variety of styles, with everything from rolling grasslands to urban war zones, winter wastelands to alien deserts, there's a Game Mat mat to fit any kind of terrain. Their mats are padded, anti-slip, waterproof, and when you're done rolling dice and battling on your mat, just roll it up and stick it in the convenient carrying bag for easy transport and storage. And if you don't have a gaming table, they've got you covered with their folding G-board portable gaming area and their line of pre-painted resin terrain. If you're ready to upgrade your gaming table, head over to www.gamemat.eu and find the gaming mat that's right for you. Game Mat, giving your armies the battlefield they deserve.